It's really a privilege. Every time I get to share God's word, especially uh, it's a privilege and a joy because we get to learn together. We get to journey together. This is family, and um, thank you. And I, I, I just love the fact that we get to feast on Jesus together on a Sundays and also uh, in different contexts. As Stefan said, we, we are launching a new series called Stewardship. Um, I think it will be, I've got some slides there, but I need to give us a background to how did we get to this. It's a, first, a very short series. It's going to be four weeks. And uh, a few months ago, we had, um, we had our leaders meeting and uh, with all the key leaders uh, one Sunday after church. And as we were discussing, we were giving the report, the eldership team giving the report to the elders. We were looking into our finances. We were looking at different ministries, etc. And um, honestly speaking is that even now our church, um, I know that we've got faithful men and women who continue to give towards God's mini mission through, in and through this community. Um, but we realized that uh, there was um, a, 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 a large deficit in terms of how we can continue to do what God has called us to do in and through this community. On top of that, a lot of changes happening. Where Common Ground Church, we were referring ourselves to as one church, many congregation. We've just moved beginning of this year in January to be uh, a family of churches, which means that a lot of what we do has to be done locally and each church, not each congregation, the language is each church, we need to take, you know, to muscle up and we need to start to think and dream forward in terms of what, um, what we see God doing in and through us and how we can be a blessing to the city and how can we can reach those who are not yet reached with the gospel. So we started to dream and we tell the leaders and then we came up with... Uh, what we landed up with as our priority, I encourage you if you don't have this, it's at the involvement desk, like for the next three years, as we are moving from this big umbrella of one church, many congregation now to be, you know, family of churches, we are giving ourselves three years at least to see, to get to adapt into this journey. It's more or less like we are replanting Weinbeck. So we then commit ourselves to two priorities and you are going to fund those priorities here. Then at that leaders meeting, and uh, some of the leaders said to us, you know what, it's great you are sharing all this with us, but we've never actually heard from you in the front to really teach God's people when it comes to saving the Lord with our resources. And if you've been coming for a while, you realize that it's not really common in Common Ground Church, Weinberg, where we get to stand in front and to talk about money. But yet, when you read the scriptures, Jesus talked much about money than he talked about marriage. You know, he talks a lot about money. Today, I'm not talking about, I'm trying to set up the four-week series. I'm not talking about money, giving, etc., but I'm talking about money, our relationship with money, etc., so these four weeks, let me give us quick. In, first of all, throughout these four weeks, there is going to be one verse which is going to run through. It's from First Chronicles 29, 14, where David says, everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Now, I'll give us the context. 
where David mentioned that. We'll get to that one. And um, so the four weeks will look like this. Today, we are going to be looking at your only true treasure as the first message. The next week is the antidote. The week after, outgiving God. And the last week, we are going to look at praise to God. This short series, we've also put together for you a devotion for 20 days, which is going to help you in terms of going deeper, whether you do it yourself or you do it with a small group. We encourage you to please pick up these other involvement desk. And uh, we really pray that as a church, we can all together be aligned when it comes, not only to the vision, but as well as how can we all together uh, embrace this vision and really serve the Lord wholeheartedly as well as with what God has blessed us with. So I'd love to read from us. Today's passage is from Matthew, but before we get there, I'd love to give us a context of this particular verse 14 from First Chronicles. Um, if you can turn with me, I'm reading from uh, NIV. Uh, if you can turn with me to First Chronicles chapter 28. This is David, David the king. We read, David summoned all the officials of Israel to assemble at Jerusalem. The officers over the tribes, the commanders of the divisions in the service of the king, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of all the property and livestock belonging to the king and his sons. Together with the palace, together with the palace officials, and uh, together with the palace officials, the warriors, and all the brave fighting men, King David rose to his feet and said, Listen to me, my fellow Israelites, my people. I had it in my heart to build a house as a palace of the rest, as a palace of rest for the hark of the covenant to the Lord. For the footstool of our God. And I made plans to build it. But God said to me, You are not to build a house for my name because you are a warrior and have shed blood. We jump to chapter 29. Then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen is young and inexperienced, just like Andre. The task, the task is great because this palatial structure is not for man but for the Lord God. With all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God Gold for the gold work, silver for silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, and wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise, 
stones of various colors and all kinds of fine stone and marble, all of these in large quantities. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God. Over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple, 3,000 talents of gold, God of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of the refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the buildings for the gold work and the silver work, and for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? We continue reading. Then the leaders of families, the officials of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave toward the work on the temple of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 darics of God, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehai the Geshomite. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. Now we get to verse 10. This is David's prayer. After all that event, then David said this, Praise the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as heard of our whole. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people? that we should be able to give as generously as this. Now here is verse 14, the verse that, verse 40, part of verse 14. Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as we are all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you, for building your, you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand. And all of it, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, 
that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intents. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. I want you to hold that word, loyal to you. And give my son, Solomon, the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, statutes, and, decree, and, and decrees, and to, to, to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I have provided. Then David said to the whole assembly, Praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed down and prostrating themselves before the Lord and the king. And we are told in verse 21 that the next day they went ahead and did the burnt offering and they rejoiced before the Lord. Father, we thank you. We come before you this morning. Lord, I pray that you would prepare our hearts to hear you, God, through your word this morning. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, won't you come as we start this journey for the next four weeks? Won't you help us? Lord, I pray specifically for those who consider themselves as members of this community, members of your body, Jesus Christ, that you would help us, oh Lord, to see the bigger picture of what you are doing in and through this community. To the glory of your name, I pray. Amen. So, so I, I just wanted to, just to give you a little bit of background on this particular passage, long passage, two, pas- two scriptures, 29, chapter 28 and chapter 29. It's not where I am going to be spending much of the, my time, but I'm going to be referencing uh, David a lot. Today we are looking at Matthew chapter 6, you know, verse 19 to 21. But there is something there that we can pick up when Jesus is speaking to his disciples to what we see David, you know, saying to the people. David was a king, you know, he had a desire on his heart. That's what we are told. He wanted to build the temple for God. You know, he looked at all that he had. We start, first of all, David as a king himself, we are told that he started with himself first. He didn't call the people to give without having to set up an example himself. You know, he looked at all that God had given him, all the blessings. He said that, you know, all these things are coming from God. You know, then he put all that he had to put before his officials, not even going to the people. We are told the commanders, the officials, and all his surroundings, they look at that. Then he asked them the question, is there anyone who want to consecrate themselves? Other people want, then we are told that these guys, they gave themselves willingly. No one, David did not impose anything on them. And when we talk about stewardship, David is a great example of a great leader, a great steward who understood that all that he had came from God. But think about it. Most of the time when we pray, we pray so that we can receive, not approaching God so that we can bless God. Now, David is taking to God what he believes God had given him. So all these things belongs to God. And the desire, when we read the scriptures, 
It doesn't say that God requested David to build him a temple. David is clear that he had a desire to do that, but God stopped him and said, you are not going to do it. I want your son. Obviously, there is a reason because you are a warrior. You've got blood in your hand, but I want your, hand, your son Solomon. But David was never discouraged because his son is going to build the temple. You know what? He stood up. He said, my son is inexperienced. He's very young. But David had already put a plan together. In other ways, they had, David had, uh, had, what, had a vision. So he had already a vision. He had already a plan. He presented it before his son. He presented it before the officials. Now he's telling the officials what he has done. You know, I've already got a plan, but not only the plan, but I've put in also what belongs into, you know, from my pocket, I put something into this plan so that this temple can actually be constructed. Was David able to build the temple without the rest of other guys? I would say he was a king. He had a lot of resources. I would agree. I would say yes. But why did he saw the need to go before the officials and to get other people to see? He wanted to lead by example, but he also wanted to make sure that to see that the loyalty of his officials to God was not best in the things that they had. There was, you know, they, 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 they were fully committed to God. It was more or less like a test that David went before the officials, before the people and said, I am setting up the example, guys. I'm not going to force you. What does it mean for us today? You know, we cannot come and stand when we are asked the question, oh, don't you guys talk about money? No, we get to teach people. We get to lead by example. We get to present the vision. We get to give ourselves to God fully with all that God has blessed us with. Therefore, it's up to you as a cross follower to think and say, how am I to worship God or to serve God? Is it with all that I have or do I just approach God to get what I want from God? Now, I want us quick to go to Matthew this is Jesus talking. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and uh, this is what he had to say. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither mouth nor rust, uh, rust destroys where thieves do not break in and distill. For where your treasure is, there your art will be also. The one message I want you to remember, the one thing is this, undivided loyalty. This is a call Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's, he said to them, you know what, I want to tell you something. The treasure that you have, there are two places where you can store them. One place is great, the other place is very dangerous. And when studying Matthew 6, especially verse 19 to 24, I see that it is a transactional passage, drawing themes from the three previous passages 
Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 to 12, where Jesus is giving how we should live. The Sermon on the Mountain is talking about how we are to live as Christ followers. Then when you read verse 17 to 48, he's speaking about how he came to fulfill the law. You know, he talks about divorce, he talks about anger, he talks about all those things in those uh, verses. Then we get to chapter 6, verse 1 to 18. There you find Jesus talks about giving to the needy. You know, he speaks about giving to the needy when he, we, we read. And he talks about the Lord's Prayer and he talks about fasting. Then when we get to verse 19 to 24, we read it's more or less like, you know, he's drawing from all that he has said. Then now he's saying it in these few verses. In fact, it's even setting what is coming after. But here, Jesus is pressing hard when he's talking to his disciples. Hand-divided loyalty. Jesus here tells us the most important lesson about money. That's what he's talking about. And he is telling us that our heart, our desire, and hope are tied closely to our treasure. I'll repeat that. Our heart, our desire, and hope are tightly, closely to our treasure. I don't know if there is anyone who can deny that. My heart, your heart, your desire, and your hope, they are too tight to your treasure. The question is, what is your treasure? Because whatever you consider to be your treasure and where you press it, that's where your heart will be. And Jesus is saying our hearts, our money and our heart go together. You cannot separate it. He said, your money, your heart, and your money, they go together. My heart and my money, they go together. And he's trying to let us know that we should not take it for granted, the power that money has. Money can influence the way we live. Money can influence the way we make decisions because where we choose to put it, that's where the eyes of our hearts will be. And then he mentions about the two places where we can store it. He said, either you choose to lay it on earth. Now, if you lay it on earth, what happens? Because all that you do I am going to talk to us about why sometimes we want to lay it on earth. Why we don't want to lay it in heaven or investing it in God's kingdom. We'll look at that shortly. But here's what Dr. Tim said when it comes to these verses. He said, we said that we live for heaven. Our pocketbook shows us what we really live for. It calls us to examine where we place our money and our heart. Healthy pleasures that fade away 
or eternal kingdom investment that lasts forever. What is the danger of where we place our money? Why did Jesus say it's so important that he has to connect our hearts to money? Here are the dangers. Sometimes we think when we invest too much here on earth, the return is great. It's something sometimes that has to do with the identity. Because the culture, the society, they measure us based on what they see. If I invest so much, if I see, and there is nothing wrong, you shouldn't get that word. Even when I read it in Dr. Tim's statement, he talks about kingdom investment. There is nothing wrong to invest your money. You shouldn't hear Jesus' Word like saying, hey, you don't invest your money in property or you don't invest your money. This is a call to really say, do you really have undivided loyalty because of what you have? Do you think what you have will give you enough peace that you need? Or do you see what you have as something that I have blessed you with so that you can live for more higher purpose to bless others or to invest it in things that are going to transform lives? Or do you really hold on to it as something that will give, will, will, will actually make you feel great or will tell the world about your identity that it's because of A, B, C, D, that's why you are who you are. So it is not like, oh, you cannot invest. It's not like you cannot put money in property, you cannot buy this. No, it is about undivided loyalty. And in the weeks to come, we are going to look at the love of money. And that relation as well created a lot of tension. But this morning, I just want us to look at what Jesus is saying. Where are you placing your treasure? Think about things that are happening in the world today. Imagine you and I had a lot of wealth. We put in all these things, but the only one place we could not was to invest in God's kingdom. Then something happens like the way we've had COVID and you lose everything. Will you look back and regret and say, God, I wish, please give me now, then I will then invest in your kingdom. If you give me for the second time, however, you know, there is no security that is permanent when it comes to what God has blessed us with. But there is a greater pleasure and security when we invest in God's kingdom because lives are going to be transformed. We are investing in God's kingdom and we are not losing. I'm not standing here to say, if you give, God will bless you. No. We can see from what we read that David stood up and said, people gave willingly because they understood. They knew that what they had was from God. It will be preaching a wrong gospel if I stand here, I say to you, give then you shall be blessed. No, God bless us without condition. Though we know there is a secret when we give, but God blesses us unconditionally. We did not pay God to be alive this morning, but yet, yet, yet we are here, we are alive. 
But I have also to mention something. That sometimes for other people, it is easy to give. But yet, this call, it is not just a call to give, but it's a call to greater even obedience. It's undivided loyalty. So here is what I'm saying. You can give joyfully as an act of obedience, of resources to God's kingdom, but yet you're still not obeying God or honoring God with your body. There is undivided loyalty there. Here we read that Jesus assumes that one's choices and actions are guided by what is or what a person valued the most. So if you value Christ the most, if you value your treasures, your resources the most, then your actions, your choices will be guided by that. And he also tells us where one chooses to store or lay up treasures or their treasures is where one's heart will focus. If you lay your treasures in God's kingdom, your focus, your worship, your what you'd love, you desire to see God's kingdom advance. But if he... All right. You know, we do these things. She's telling me that you are almost there. <laughs> so it's where we, we lay our treasures. That's where the focus will be. If we lay our treasures in God's kingdom, our focus is going to be there. We would love to see more and more people come to know Christ. We'd love to see God's kingdom advance. We'd love to see many churches planted. We'd love to see the priority of God's church advancing. But if our treasures are for ourselves, and I love what David said. You know, when we read in, in, in this long, uh, in, 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 verse, in chapter 29, uh, First Chronicles, it says that they took David's goods, his good and his son's goods, they put them together before these officials. Yes, there is a sense when we think about giving, there is a sense in which giving our money to God's, to God's work is like investing in heaven, but our intention should be to seek the fulfillment of God's purposes in all we do, not merely what we do with our money. So not merely what we do with our money, but with all we do. We do with our body all that we do. So it is an obedient, it is not only with the money. Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hands. Here is why we are too scared 
to invest in God's kingdom. One, and why we love to invest in the healthy kingdom, I've said it, identity, our culture, society validates people based on what they possess or any other form of achievement. In this context, Jesus speaks to a group of people, to his disciples, whose culture was poisoned by the love of money. The culture was poisoned by the love of money, and he's saying to them, you know what? You have a loyalty that is divided. And if your money is all to be, invest- to be invested just here, so that you can be seen by others, so that you can have an identity, a profile, etc. You have to remember that these things are perishable. You have to remember that you can lose it anytime. I want to call you to think about a place where you can invest it, where you are not going to lose it. Now, what does this mean for us today? Are we spared from these wise words that Jesus said to his disciples? Are we saying that, okay, it was them, it was their time, maybe we are not really, we shouldn't be concerned about it? Listen, we are. If you are a Christ follower, you have to think about everything that you have as a gift from God. Friends, it's a gift from God. I started two years ago, when I turned 40, I started to re-asking myself a lot of questions. How do I live maybe the next 20 years, the next 30 years, by God's grace, if I'm given that? How, how do I live these remaining years of my life? How do I live not only me with whatever small or much or big that God has blessed me with? Is it enough for you and I just to come here on Sunday, lift up our hands, and walk away and not be concerned like David was? He said, I have a desire to build the temple for God. And I'm not just going to limit it to a desire, but I'm going to contribute towards that. All that I have, all that you have is from God. I started to evaluate my own life. I said, okay, I can do well in this area. I can do well in this area. I can do well in this area. The only one area that people cannot see is when it comes to the area of serving God with what God has blessed us with. Because that is between you and God, and no one sees that. People can see the rest of things outside. People can see you as a great person. People can see you as a great communicator. People can see you as a great achiever of ABC. But one thing that we don't share and we cannot tell people is our relationship and where we are, place, we are laying up our treasures. Is your loyalty and my loyalty divided when it comes to money? And God. When it comes to your relationship with Jesus, is your loyalty genuine? Or maybe there are other gods, and especially money, that is fighting. And you find yourself in between, and you have to choose money or Jesus. Money or Jesus. Okay, God's work or my work. Or God's investment or my investment. 
God's church, God's people, God's kingdom, or my own kingdom. Friends, you can build an empire, but it will never last. I can build an empire, but it will never last. This is not a talk to make you feel guilty, but it's a talk. Jesus is trying to remind us that, you know, our actions and our decision and choices we make can be influenced by money, especially if our heart is divided when it comes to our commitment to God and how we view money. There is also another issue I mentioned about is security. We have this notion that the more wealth we have, the better our future will be. We become even more stingy, very stingy, very controlling even towards our relatives, our spouses, and our children because money is the one that is controlling us. We can't let go of it. We can't submit it before God. We can't really surrender it. We can't see money as a servant. We start to see money as the master that is starting to help, to control the way we are living or behaving. And therefore, we become even, you know, it becomes even more difficult. There are people I've met, they are saying, when I have enough, that's when I'll start to save God with my money. What is enough? When I have more, that's when I'll save God with my money. What is more? I really don't know what is more. I can answer that question, but here we are told when we read in First Chronicles that the officials, all the people, they actually move willingly. They accepted to follow the vision. They saw the beauty. I was reminded as I was preparing, reminded read this talk when he spoke about the cathedral in Germany. In fact, I had the privilege to visit that cathedral. It's a massive one. When he talks about the people who committed themselves to building it, they knew that they won't live to see it, they won't live to enjoy it. You know, just a picture of telling you what it means when we think long-term in investing in God's work. Obvious, as I said, these particular verses, they set up, they kind of like they set up the coming verses, etc. Other verses that followed, Jesus is talking about, do not worry. Do not be anxious. But most of the time, when, when, when we think about security, when we think our relationship with money, we are too scared about tomorrow. Therefore, we want to make sure that we keep it, we control it, we see it, and we keep it to ourselves. We are not trusting God enough. We are not surrendering enough to God. We are looking at Jesus. We said, you know what? I would rather lay up my resources, my treasures there, but I'll come to you. I'll worship you, but I cannot trust you enough to think like if anything happens now, I am going to be safe. Investing in God's kingdom is not going to produce any profit. 
I am not going to see any results because the tangible results are not there. But if I continue to boost this other place, continue to put so much there, I can see how much the increase is going to be. But when I am giving, I don't see. Because we cannot measure how many people become Christ followers. We cannot measure how many people got saved and be baptized. We don't have the measurements that we can tell that these people have been impacted because you have chosen to invest in God's kingdom. But we will know one day when we stand before the Lord. When we stand before the King of Kings, the God, we will know one day that it was not in vain. Do you really have a desire to lay up your treasures in heaven? So, when we think about Jesus, his greater treasure is one and only purpose was to save you and to save me. When we read the scriptures, we see how Satan tempted Jesus to give him what today we can think of trying to give to ourselves, fame, power, money, and all these things. But we are told from the scriptures that because of the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured that painful journey. But you know why he did it? He did it because what he wanted to see and to gain as the true treasure was you and me. He refused to compromise. What is the joy set before you? What is the joy set before you? Because I said when... When I turned 40, I started to ask myself, where am I going to get? Am I just doing these things? Am I, you know, what is the joy really set before you? If he, this was going to be your last day to live or in the next two days, next three days, what is for Jesus, the joy set before him? He was looking toward to the cross and he never wanted anything to distract him. You know why? Because it is at the cross that's where the reconciliation happened between God and the fallen man. You and I. You know, Jesus accepted to go through the pain, the insult, all that he went through. That's what we are told in Hebrews 12, verse 2, when he talks about the joy that was set before him. Jesus looked at that and he refused to compromise. Could not give to any temptation because he wanted you and, and me to be reconciled with God the Father. The author and perfect of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross. He went through the insult, the pain, during his short period of time here on earth. He did it because of love. He did it because of you and me. The joy set before Jesus was the work of redemption, which cost him his life for, because of you and because of me. He wanted us to regain back our position 
as sons and daughters of God, loved by the, love, by, by the living God, loved by our creator so that the relationship can be restored. And when we look into Jesus' life, his loyalty to God the Father during his short mission on earth was not divided. was fully committed to his Father. Endure the cross and its shame because of you and because of me. Friends, when I think about this, it is easy to answer the question about loyalty. When you think about what Christ has done for you as a Christ follower, it is impossible to have undivided loyalty. He loves us so much that Jesus was prepared to go and to die for us. Speaking to you this morning, just as he spoke to the disciples, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. It is dangerous. It's calling us to say, I want you to lay up your treasures in heaven. It is safe. For your good, for my good. In closing, I want to ask you this question. Is your loyalty to God undivided? Or is Jesus in your life competing with other gods? Is he competing with other gods? Especially the giant of money. Yes, God, I can follow you. Yes, Jesus, I love you. Yes, Jesus, I can avoid all other kinds of sin. But this one thing I cannot do is to save you with my money. And maybe you, you have qualified, qualified that as a small sin. It's not really a sin according to you. It is okay. Because I love him, I can avoid sexual sin, I can avoid other temptation, but with my money it's fine. God, you can see I've ticked all these boxes. I'm okay with you. I want to tell you, you have a divided loyalty. If that is the condition of your heart, maybe this morning, it's an opportunity for you to say, God, help me. Look up to the example of David, his family, his officials, all these guys, they said, because of the Lord's temple, we will give. We will sacrifice. Our treasures, we will give it to the building of the temple. Once again, friends, this is not a message to make you feel guilty. This is a call to undivided loyalty. Your only true treasure should be Jesus. And the rest of other treasures or blessings should submit to him and should save his purposes.
if they are serving your purposes, which has nothing to do with God's purposes and his kingdom, then they are your gods. Money is your God. Can I invite us to stand? I'd love us to pray. I am not saying these things just from saying them, but I want to tell you this. There are times in my life where I've gone through a lot of financial challenges where what you want to do with your finances is so much that and God's name can just go at the bottom of the list and the other things at the top. But I needed to get to the point whereby I said, God, I want to repent of this. No matter how difficult it is. And this was not, and not only in the area of giving in form of tithing or what, but even in the area of assisting those who are the needy. God has given you all those resources for a purpose. God has blessed you with that job for a purpose. God has blessed me with all that I have for a purpose. Everything we have comes from him. And we can only give him what comes from his hand. We cannot give him what does, doesn't come from his hand. I want to pray, and I want you to pray. I want you to ask God to help you in this area because in the next three weeks, and I want you to really take time to read and go through this uh, devotion because in the next three weeks, that three Sundays that remains, we are going to be talking about what it means to save God with our money, our finances, our resources. Friends, God has given us this community, all of us. This is your community. This is your spiritual home. Yes, I know that a lot of you are already sacrificially saving God with your resources. I'm just saying to those of you, maybe you are standing here this morning, who are looking at it and say, God, you know what? I am not doing that sin, that sin, that sin, and I'm looking at my resources. They are not enough. But I want you to think about the lady who said to Elijah, this is all we have. After eating this, maybe it's death that is coming. But yet trusting God for his provision is another thing. Please pray. If you find yourself in that position, as I said, I've been there myself, and I needed to repent of that and ask God to really help me to trust him. And I'm so grateful that I can live in that space. Please, can you ask God where you are and say, God, help me. Help me when it comes to my relationship with money. Set me free. Not only from the love of it, but from me failing to really trusting you with what you've given me. Please pray.
Ask God to help you. Maybe you are here for the first time and you are a guest. This is not how every Sunday looks like. We don't really talk about money in this community. We don't teach about money as we should. Even as I was preaching, as I was preparing even, you know, I was really finding it difficult to say, how am I going to really stand and talk about money? It's something that we find it's difficult. But yet Jesus is not or was never ashamed to talk about it. Father Lord, we thank you for this morning. Dear Lord, we stand before you. Father Lord, where we have been, where we have not been trusting you with our resources, maybe we've trusted you with our time, the talents or the gift that you've given us, but when it comes to our finances, our relationship with money, Lord, maybe we've placed you, we've placed money above you, God. Lord, I pray that you'd forgive us this morning. Lord, I pray for your forgiveness. I pray for your grace in our lives. Lord, I also pray for those who are here this morning, who maybe they're unemployed. Lord, they're trusting you for work, and you know their hearts, because they've got it into their heart. They have a desire, like David had a desire, to save you with their resources. Lord, I pray, I pray that you bless them. I pray that you give them employment. Lord, I pray for men and women in this community who maybe their businesses have been struggling. But these are the men and women who have really invested a lot in your kingdom. Lord, won't you bless their work? Won't you please help their businesses? Lord, I pray. I pray for couples in this community this morning. Couples who have been very faithful, Lord. I pray for singles who have been very faithful with their finances, time, and talents, and investing in your kingdom. Lord, I pray that you'd continue to bless and strengthen them as they save you with their resources. Lord, I pray for high schoolers who are among us who have heard this message this morning. That God, you continue to grow the seeds on their hearts to learn, to understand that all that you have given their parents, you have given us, is from you. Therefore, we can only give you what is from your hands. Everything is from you, God. Father, we thank you. We bless you. I pray that our hearts will be on you, Jesus. I pray that we will look up to you. I pray that we will trust you with all that we have. And I pray that you set us free to serve you with all that you've given us. To the glory of your name. We want to see many lives transformed in Weinbeck, in the city of Cape Town, even beyond. Help us, Lord. Help us, Holy Spirit. Please remove any sense of guilt. Jesus, you've paid the price on the cross so that we can be set free from all these other things. And thank you for that. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Help us to live in the reality as free people who 
no sin can continue to get out of us because we've been set free by you. Help us, Holy Spirit. We cannot do this without you. We don't want to vow, but we want to call for your help. We don't want to make the commitment out of fear, but we want to trust you to help us, Lord, and to continue to remind us that you always with us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.